Good morning. It's Sunday, September the 1st, 2019. This is show number 98. Coming to you from Florida, this is... Well, you know what it is, right? that I'm under, I just wonder what they kill again. Please understand that I'm living in the concrete. Jungle will I stumble as they crumble under my feet. In the building lobby, see my man Bobby. Puffin' on the joint, that's the point when I eyes me. Ask what's the weight on the books and my knapsack. He's so amused, I'm confused why he has that. Then I understand the motive in the plan. He's trying to be the man while I stand getting laughed at. Dudes got jokes, but very little hopes. That's why they try to bring me down like a halfback. But I got balance, my mom's made a promise. If I get the grades, I'll be praised like Thomas Clarence But I don't know if law's in my future Cops in the war and they'll sure try to shoot ya All I wanna do is get a B in geometry Lose my virginity and live my life trauma free As I sit and count these clouds I shall hope my mom is proud of me Why be I? Why be I? Why be me? Why be me? If I fly If I fly they gon' see. I might die. I might die. But I'll be free. But I'll be free. So why be I? Why be I? Why be me? Why be me? Young black intelligent. And good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the show. This is our 98th show. I, of course, am your host, Gummo. And, of course, this is the 98th show. And here we are together. Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome if you are new. Looks like we have quite a few new listeners out there. And if you're not new to the podcast, well, you know, what is the podcast about? Uh, well... I don't. I really don't know. We used to have a slogan and a tagline and all of that stuff. I guess what you'll have to do is simply listen to some of the older ones, I suppose. But here we are, right? Nevertheless, <laughs> I got I got uh, scolded or chastised recently for saying nevertheless too many times. I don't know. Do I say nevertheless too many times? You're probably nodding, right? Yeah. <laughs> nevertheless it's the middle of the night and here we are we're all together again it's uh well you know i say middle of the night it's three in the morning here in uh well you know usually i say chicago right but uh this evening it's a little different so uh you know there's a hurricane um heading our way and when i say our way because i'm not in chicago I'm in uncharted, unmapped territory, Florida, this evening, and we're going we're going to keep it that way. Not sure if we should really be here or not, but here we are. And uh, my whole reasoning for being here is quite the natural phenomenon, I suppose. Uh, if you don't, if you're not familiar with what I do or who I am, I, I love to surf, and I'm from Florida. And there's a hurricane on the way. So put all of that together, and what does that spell? Right. So, yeah, I got the call uh, sometime late Thursday night that there was a hurricane heading this way. Uh, and me being the surfer person that I am, I love surfing. And, well, it's my opportunity to catch some waves in some familiar places. 
So you can't beat that. And uh, fortunately, it's Labor Day weekend, 2019, here in the United States. Labor Day. It's uh, something that goes on in the United States every year. It's sort of, and I think I've spoken about it quite <laughs> in the years past, right? But it's sort of the official, unofficial end of summer for those that live in North America. And I, you know what? I actually do. I feel, I'm feeling a little deja vu because I, I do believe that I've spoken about that a time or two in the past. But nevertheless, <laughs> here we are, right? Uh, so, uh, yeah, trying to catch some uh, really good surfing while it's going on. And, um, yeah, it's been quite interesting. So far, we've only been uh, approached by the local law enforcement personnel twice. Uh <laughs> And we're really not breaking any laws. We are at a state. It's actually, uh, it's called Guana State River Park. And uh, if you search for it, you'll you'll see exactly where we're at. And across the street, are fire. There's a fire station there. And if if you're looking on Google Maps or something, you can you can see the fire station there. And then you, you can look across A1A, and you'll see. Um, sort of like a a shelter with tables and stuff like that. And that's where we're at. <laughs> Don't ask. But uh, we, we've been we've been cooking out. Been cooking some. Uh, we we cooked out some um, some really good food on the grill earlier. <laughs> and um, quite contrary to what uh, the media may be saying. Um, it's it's cloudy. It's windy. There's some gales here and there. The waves are picking up, and um, tomorrow should be much more interesting. And Monday, much much more interesting as the waves continue to increase. So yeah, uh, beach bumming it for sure. I think we'll drive down to St. Augustine sometime in the morning and fill the cooler up with ice. <laughs> put some more. <laughs> put some more bologna and bread in the uh, cooler and mayonnaise and uh, <laughs> some mustard and Doritos. You got to have Doritos. Uh, yeah. And uh, plenty of lemonade because uh, yeah, that's how you do it. But uh, having a good time down here and uh, yeah, I'm doing, I'm, I'm safe. So no worries there. Uh, so I've got the trusty laptop with me and we've got the trusty internet connection with us tonight. Uh, Chicago, uh, Chicago. Crash is back in Chicago at HQ holding it down at the forts. That's how we have this great little connection. Thanks, Crash, for all of your uh, technical wizardry, all of that fun stuff. Uh, let's. So we have a. Uh, so on last, I would say last week's show, but I think it's been quite. When did we do the last show? It was on the 18th. So that's. I'm getting better, right? I mean, at least I haven't gone a whole month like I've done before. I think I've gone two months without doing this show in the past. <laughs> Not really sure about it. But so I'm getting better. I'm trying to get better with my timing. Um, and maybe I'll get, <laughs> I'm really trying to get back to doing this every week. It's tough, right? But life gets in the way. 
I'm not going to give you any excuses, but uh, things were much better uh, this past week uh, on my end of the world. How about you? How's the world treating you? It's almost the end of summer if you're here in the States. Have you had a nice summer? And what have you done this summer? Have you done anything interesting? Have you traveled? Have you gone anywhere special? Done anything special, memorable? You know, a lot of people travel and they go to, you know, they go to restaurants and they travel abroad and, and whatnot. And, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I really love technology, but, uh, one thing that I really do not want to see are your menu choices at some burger place in <laughs> Romania while you're on a train while that might be interesting to you and unique it may not be that interesting and unique to everyone else on the freaking planet so please but whatever where am i going with that i don't know i'm just maybe i'm bitching about things you know feds recently say that the uh the person who uh stole data from in the whole capital one hack does anybody remember that uh, she was a former Amazon Web Services software engineer charged in the Capital One data breach that we spoke about previously. Uh, and take it for what it's worth, and a lot of people don't, but the New York Times reported recently also that federal prosecutors said that servers found in her bedroom contained information from 30 other entities and expect to bring even more charges uh, against her once... Their investigation is complete. Unbelievable. Uh, and it's um, it's not looking good. It's really not. Uh, federal authorities recently seized this information from servers in the bedroom of Paige Thompson. Uh, Ms. Thompson, of course, was arrested and charged last month in the breach of Capital One's database, which was hosted on, of course, Amazon's web services computers. And as I uh, spoke about previously, core, uh, core documents went on to detail Ms. Thompson had stolen over 140,000 social security numbers and 80,000 bank account numbers. At the time, of course, though, Capital One said that it had tens of millions of credit card applications stolen including 1 million Canadian social insurance numbers. Either way, right, I don't think it's looking that good for Paige Thompson. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know where sympathy starts and uh, something else begins. But quite honestly, I believe now let's, you know, I'm, I'm not... You know, I, I've, I've read the discovery and honestly, it sounds like she had some, some, some issues, right? And uh, I, I really hope uh, that you understand what I'm talking about in that regard, because um, there are a, plenty of people out there with mental illnesses that aren't being treated properly. And I believe, I personally believe that she 
was experiencing some mental illness issues. And instead, I know maybe you can flame me, I suppose, but I believe she really needs some uh, help rather than uh, being incarcerated. And so we'll be keeping a close eye on that case for sure. But nevertheless, right, uh, she's in a lot of trouble and will be for a, quite a while. And uh, I hope uh, that she's able to get some uh, some help. Uh, you know, ransomware ha is something that I talk about quite uh, often here on the show. And, uh, you know, recently it's hit... <laughs> It's attacked over 400 dental offices across the United States, and that's kind of unusual, right? So it seems that someone got a hold of a database of dentist offices and, uh, you know, uh, were able to enumerate them. And, and uh, basically, the attack uh, took, took place all at once uh, this past Monday uh, by targeting the digital dental record a provider of IT software to dental practices. Specifically, the ransomware, of course, hit a cloud remote management system related to the DDS products. Um, the company in charge of this uh, unfortunate event said that they were working feverishly with the software company to shut down uh, and remove the threat, but uh, unfortunately, too many people were compromised in the uh, process prior to them removing uh, those systems and servers. Uh, according to uh, law enforcement and recent entities and you know, just people who are nosy, I suppose, but about 400 dental practices uh, were affected by the nationwide uh, breach. And of course, if you're not familiar, ransomware attacks uh, are on the rise. Continue, they're continuing to be on the rise. Uh, and, um, we're, yeah, it's kind of like a thing, right? So it looks like more and more of this stuff is coming to, uh, it's, it's not slowing down. And it seems like, I don't know, it may be a, a tip of the hat to, uh, the world or whatever. I don't know. Maybe it's just a dog and pony show, but, uh, recently also Russian authorities, um, uh, said that they arrested members of the um, uh, alleged tip-top cyber, cyber gang, the tip-top gang, <laughs> uh, and they, they are believed to have infected more than 800,000 Android smartphones with malware uh, over the past four or five years. And uh, basically, uh, it, was, it was sort of a shady little group underground that uh, went around renting uh, banking Trojans for the Android operating system. Uh, you know, and it's the typical delivery system, underground forums, chats, etc. cetera, uh, which they, uh, they also w went ahead and were able to distribute these in uh, Android apps um, that were also available by uh, just searching on a search engine. Uh, unfortunately, TipTop uh, has been active since 2015 as well, and the operators have been accused of making close to get this 20 grand a day just sitting around <laughs> wow uh <laughs> i know right like what that's a lot of money the group's favorite malware of course was the uh agent bid baking trojan which they rented and used to most of their campaigns 
uh, and it, and and it was some pretty slick uh, malware. It was capable of reading SMS messages, messages, recording phone calls, initiating USSD requests, etc., etc., etc. But however, uh, its primary function was to show fake login screens on top of legitimate banking apps, and then steal those credentials and then forward those credentials. You get it right. It's pretty bad. That's awful. Lucrative, though, unfortunately, and it's going to continue to be that way for a while. Uh, but recently, it, you know, if you had enough uh, computer displays, you could probably uh, <laughs> work against it, right? So what do you do when you run out of displays? Well, say no more because, you know, I've, I've raved and reviewed about the HoloLens back in the day, right? That was like way back in the day, too. But uh, Microsoft says that it has a new augmented reality version of the headset uh, Do this September, which is hello today. Uh, Microsoft's second generation HoloLens will be ready to uh, go on sale here in the next day or two. Uh, and it's going to be kind of cool, right? Uh, and you should really check it out. If uh, I believe it's going to be a developer edition and Microsoft is really aiming this towards business as they always do. I don't know. I think it's a pretty good move. I'm going to, unfortunately, plunk down a couple more grand and get me a, a H2 headset and see what it's all about. Uh, and listen, earlier in the podcast, I was speaking about the disasters and hurricanes and all of that stuff. And I wanted to share with you a link. Instead of being pummeled with ads and commercial problems all of the time, uh, take notice and go to this URL. So go ahead and pause. That's why you get a pen or open up a browser. So I'll give you a second. Okay, you ready? Still need to get a pen? All right. Did you get a pen? You got a pen? <laughs> Let me guess, it doesn't write. So we'll give you a few more seconds to get a pen that writes. And get a lighter so you may have to heat the tip up. All right, you're out of time. So check it out. Uh, here's a website that you should go to. It's really kind of super slick and cool. It's uh, hisz.rsoe.hu forward slash alert map forward slash index 2.php. And that's all you need to know. How's that? Isn't that cool? All right, so uh, continuing on, you know, AI, we've talked about AI. I've talked about AI. You've talked about AI. You've probably talked about AI in the past six or seven days, right? Unfortunately, AI is a thing, and it's becoming more and more realistic. And recently, check this out. Someone used AI to mimic a CEO's voice in an unusual way to actually pull off a cybercrime worth over two, almost $250,000. The CEO of a UK-based energy firm thought he was speaking on the phone with his boss, the chief executive of, uh, of the firm's German parent company, who asked him to send some funds to uh, a Hungarian supplier, all using vo uh, AI. Isn't that some crazy, crazy stuff? And so that's going to be a thing 
right? So who are you going to actually be speaking with uh, when it comes to situations like that? And so uh, I gave it some thought briefly. And what I would say is that uh, any C-level executives, including the finance departments of companies, should have a password that they share. And you should have a board meeting like tomorrow morning. <laughs> really, you should. And or meet with your senior level uh, people tomorrow. Or oh, wait a minute, tomorrow's no. So the next time you are able to go to work and meet with your uh, colleagues and peers, and even your bosses or whoever you are, wherever you are in the food chain, you should recommend that people have passwords in spoken conversation, especially when it comes to financial disclosure or the transmission of funds. Right, right. Common sense. Get that program working wherever you're at right away so you and your company don't go bankrupt. Uh, speaking of hackers, you know, we're going to keep going about it because that's the name of the show, right? But uh, the alleged uh, Elliot Guten. Does anyone know who Elliot Guten is? Anyone? Anyone? No? Neither did we. Uh, Elliot Guten, uh, 19 of Old Canton near Norwich in the UK, was caught when his computer was seized during checks by the police in April of 2018. <sighs> Guten, of course, was found guilty of hacking the telecommunications firm TalkTalk Talk when he was 16 years old. Uh, last year's officers made a last year's <laughs> last year officers made a routine visit to ensure he was complying with a sexual harm prevention order imposed also in 2016. Uh, and of course, his computer revealed that he had offered to supply compromised personal data, including mobile phone numbers for others to use for criminal purposes, such as intercepting calls and text messages to commit fraud. He also advertised his services in exchange for $3,000 in Bitcoin rather than hard currency in a bid to hide the payments from police. Officers, of course, promptly traced and seized $275,000 worth of cryptocurrency, including Bitcoin, under his control. Under a Twitter account, which he described himself as a full-time crypto trader, Guten, Guten tweeted in May of last year, having lots of money is cool, but having lots of money without people knowing is cooler. Well, I guess that's not the case anymore. So if you're making lots of money, I guess you shouldn't get on Twitter and talk about how cool it is. Jesus. Not to be outdone, Grant West, also in the UK, had been jailed for fraud after carrying out attacks on brands such as Sainsbury's, Uber, and Argos. A police investigation codenamed Operation Draba uncovered West's activity on the dark web under the moniker of Corvo. <laughs> Come on. What? Anyhow, West from uh, Sheerness Kent used phishing emails to scam and obtain the financial data of tens of thousands of unsuspecting customers. He would then sell his personal data. He would then sell the personal data in different marketplaces on the dark web, convert the profit made from selling financial details online into cryptocurrency, and store those in multiple accounts. Uh, West, unfortunately, was uh, jailed promptly at the Ashcroft Caravan Park. Uh, West 
well, whatever. He was jailed in May at Southwark Crown Court for 10 years and eight months. Man. And lastly but not least, recently a team of French police dubbed us. What does that mean? Jesus Christ. I don't even, I'm not even going, I'm not even going to talk about that kind of crap. Anyhow, listen, uh, as I said on the last show, we've got, I've got some tech, some actual hardware that I want to share with you guys. But first, I also want to share with you guys, I know here comes another talk, but I think you'll check this out, you know, because I'm a former phone freak and oh, I'm still a phone freak. What am I talking about? But anyhow, anything that has the word freak in it, it draws me conclusively to uh, right away and nevertheless... <laughs> keep saying that's three or four times I've said in this show so far but uh recently at the defcon 27 thing in vegas where it was 5,000 degrees uh there was a, a talk about freaking elevators and i wanted to share that with you this evening uh and so i think it's really cool and i think you'll find it really cool and interesting too uh it's from the recent defcon it's called freaking elevators check it out i really think you'll check uh i really think you'll dig it and then i'll come back and i'll share some hardware with you so I prepared a couple words just to make sure I, I got everything right here. Um, so uh, Will's hacking addiction started back about three years ago-ish. Mm -hmm. um, he somehow found out about a hacker camp on an island in Washington and decided to volunteer. <clears throat> uh, with his neon sign transformer and sewing machine pedal all packed, he headed off to camp and ended up having a jolly old time teaching people how to burn shit with high voltage. For some reason, he decided he needed more HackerCon after that experience, and like any good addict, proceeded to volunteer and at and attend more than 20 cons a year since then? Uh, 25 last year. 25 last year. So I, if there's any records for attending HackerCons in a short period, uh, I think that Will probably tops that. Um, and so uh, he's been known to occasionally abduct random con organizers and force them into playing elevator and rooftop cat and mouse with hotel security at some of these events that he goes to, and occasionally hacks the said elevators, um, as you'll soon find out in this talk. He also knows a thing or two about hacking cars and other stuff. Um, anyway, without further ado, I give you the one and only rockstar hacker con addict extraordinaire, we'll see. Thank you, Hikari. All right, guys, welcome to Freaking Elevators. So who am I? As Kari's wonderful intro can attest, uh, I do high voltage projects. I'm also part of the car hacking village. Come stop by, hack on some scooters with me. Uh, I did win the lifetime badge at CypherCon for their CTF. InfoSec is a hobby. I might be looking for a job in it. Um, I'm new to the InfoSec world. I got that noob coin by pretending to know the prices of old DEFCON badges. All right, so let's jump right in. First of all, a myth. I'm sorry to disappoint you guys, but you can't control an elevator through its phone system. I know, everyone's really bummed out now. All right, if you wanna learn how to hack elevator systems, there's these two awesome people, Deviant and Sergeant Howard. So if you wanna know more about elevators and elevator systems, watch their talk from Hope. It's two hours long. If you need a shorter version, watch the DEF CON talk. The two hour long talk, they had three minutes in it of elevator phone systems. 
We're also going to be having more from Deviant later on in this talk. So, some topics we're going to be covering elevator phone basics. Who here has used an elevator phone? Wow, that's not a lot of people. Come on, I call these phones all the time. <laughs> all right, so we're going to be discussing some of the history. I'm going to teach all of you guys how to use elevator phones. Um, we're going to go over information gathering, tools I like to use. You know, it's going to be a really fun talk. Legal disclaimer, I am not a lawyer. I don't even play one on TV. None of these talks that are recorded uh, involve a live human talking on the other end, but it will get interesting and fun. Also, don't interfere with emergency communication systems. Uh, they're in place for a reason. So, like I said, please don't hack things in the wild. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to stress a, a very good point here. Do not hack the elevators here, please. Uh, I don't know if anyone's staying there. I, I mean, I don't want you to, I don't want to tell you where to hack. All right. So let's get into the basics of elevator phone systems. It's that easy button. Here are some elevator phones. If you take a look, uh, one of these is a freight elevator with a little swinging door there. It's not like ADA compliant anymore. All of these have something in common. It's pushing that little button. What that button's going to do is it's going to connect you out to a pre-programmed phone number. Here's some more photos. So this is uh, China and Japan. Take a look. You can still see little phone logos. Um, you can see an actual handset just strapped to the wall there. That one was in China. I did not mess with any of the phones in China. I'm a little scared of it. Like, <laughs> so I just took some photos. Here we see um, some from Dubai and New Zealand. Now what's interesting about these, and I really wanted to touch on this for any international people, there's no elevator phone button. I don't know if everyone notices that there's just those emergency ring buttons. Those buttons, what they'll do is they'll sound an alarm. That alarm is local to where you are. So what ends up happening is that, and there's Deviant. Uh, so what ends up happening is you have to hold that button in or press it like a number of times in, and then it will place that call. So it's just something to be aware of if you're brave enough to do this internationally. So how do phones connect to the outside world? They have their POTS lines, VoIP, cell phone, uh, we're going to be really covering just the POTS phone system. It's the plain old telephone system. So the device you use when the handset is picked up, you'll notice that in a lot of older elevators. That's called a ring down system. We're going to be covering that in the history portion. Uh, the ADA and the ASME. So those are the two things that cover inside elevators, what needs to be there, how it needs to be there. So in our history here, elevator phones started in 68. We still found uh, rotary phones. Uh, just about every single photo in my slides are ones I've found in the wild. So this ring down system, you pick up that line, it automatically dials the number for you. Just something to be aware of. So if you're just deciding, I, I want to place a call, it doesn't really work like that. So they got required in elevators in 70, 76 there. So we see this is a really good example of a ring down. And we see a rotary phone. 
That rotary phone again, another ring down phone. So when you're gonna start hacking elevator phone systems, first thing you should always do is OSINT. You wanna know who that phone dials to. Some phones will dial 911. They should not dial 911. Um, some phones will dial maintenance workers. They shouldn't dial maintenance workers, but if you're inside of an elevator and you place a phone call at two in the morning, you're gonna get a groggy guy that says like, what do you want? Who is this? And why do you need my number? <laughs> um, it's something to be aware of. So if you're trying to get information for a building, you can use that phone system to acquire other phone numbers. Building information. If you're trying to, to do social engineering, you wanna know your building information. Phone system information, that's one of the most critical things. Phone number information is also rather critical. What ends up happening is you can find these phone numbers out on the internet. You can use Google and you can just Google for elevator phone numbers. People have published them. There is a elevator phone list published. So here we see a certificate that showing an elevator out of compliance. That's a perfect pretext for why you're there. Also, there's a notice. Truck just roaming around one in the morning. I took that blurry photo uh, down in San Diego at Torcon. Just something to be aware of so you know who's servicing your elevators. Otis is a, one of the world's biggest companies. So if you're gonna be doing some social engineering, you wanna know how you can pretend to be an elevator tech. Say things like, hi, this is Deviant. I'm doing a test on the elevator phone system. I need to know the number I'm calling from. And they'll read you back the number then you forget to write it down properly. Then you ask again, can you repeat that number again for me? Because sometimes they'll say it quite fast. Um, you wanna be remotely targeting companies. This is a little bit more difficult. So when you're doing these social engineering attacks, you're inside that elevator, and that's the easiest way to get these numbers. You're inside, you push that button, you pretend to be that elevator tech, and then they're just like, yeah, here you go, here's the number, enjoy. But if you want to call a business, most businesses won't know what their elevator phone number is. They'll have to look it up. So understand that, have a good pretext. Call centers, uh, that's the easiest way to get a number out. You can call into a call center, so knowing where that elevator dials into, if they have a record of who their customers are, and then you can social engineer your way back from there. There's a lot of possibilities. Social engineering is a, much, a very valid attack method and I think it applies to just about everything we do here. So, let's get physical. How to control the elevator with independent service mode and what to look for. So let's say you decided, all right, I'm gonna hop in this elevator and I'm gonna place that phone call. You wanna take control of this elevator. So here we see some key switches. Those arrows point to the independent service mode and how to activate it. Again, you shouldn't do this unless you've had proper training. Um, the, I believe the core group actually offers elevator training. Flip a switch. <laughs> I, I don't work there, you do. <laughs> so what ends up happening here is once you flip it into independent service mode, you have control when those hall calls are placed, no one's gonna be able to get that elevator down to your floor. So you drive it up to say the top floor 
Now all you have to worry about is who's in that floor area. You can hold that door close button, keep the door closed. Now no one's able to see you. Maybe they can hear you, maybe they can't. If they can hear you, go to a restricted floor. Inside the restricted floors. Now, the way I got this photo, I never, I never exited the elevator. Uh, I had complete com permission to do this, don't worry. So, if you're in independent service mode, you're actively going, say, from floor 20 down to floor one. As you're passing by floors 11, 10, and nine, you take it out of independent service mode because those floors were still locked even with that mode engaged. Now what you want to do, you want to basically, as it's being taken out of independent service mode, it levels off at whatever the nearest floor is. And then it just stays there. Now if someone calls it, it'll go to them. Otherwise the door will be closed and you're like, uh oh, did I break this elevator? <laughs> Press the door open button. Easiest way to escape an elevator, press the door open button. If you're worried, you're stuck. And then the door's open. And now you're on a restricted floor. So you can flip it back into independent service mode. Now it won't go anywhere. You can place those calls with ease and not have to worry. Some more things we should touch on though. There's other ways to get it. You have an elevator intercom there in a machine room. All the way to your right there, you'll see the, um, the patch down panel. We're gonna be showing you the tool to be able to tap into that. Use a butt set. Tap in, up and down on the lines. You can dial a 1-800 number like 1-800-444-4444. A pretty easy number to remember. It'll read you back the number you're dialing from. So that's when you're using this tool. You can also tap into those phone lines, just listen in general to what's going on um, multimeter, um, multi-tools, the lineman set, landline phones. I really enjoy landline phones. I don't know if you guys knew I like phones. Um, you can literally just plug a landline into an elevator phone line and it will work. It's a POTS line. It's a plain old telephone system line. That's what's the beauty of this. There's, there's no real protections. There's, there's nothing going on besides that copper pair and then that phone. If you want to do some remote programming, or actually some local programming, what you'll need is those batteries. So nine volt, double A. So now let's, let's start getting into the, the programming of elevator phones, right? Everyone wants to program an elevator phone? I got one right here. We're gonna be able to program this. Uh, come by the car hacking village. We can have a lot of fun with this. If anyone has my phone number, they can dial into this and start messing around. So site ID. When you press a site ID, press number two on your keypad, most of the time, once you've dialed into the elevator, you've got that phone number, you asked that, that call center staff. Now you wanna know, okay, well what, what are they saying when there's an emergency? Just curiosity, maybe they haven't programmed it. Once you place that call, you press number two, you'll hear a prompt of where you're dialing into. If, say, someone has taken an elevator phone, connected it to a phone conference, and then they themselves have exited the conference, what do you do? You're now having a phone conversation inside of an elevator with everyone else on this conference. This sounds hypothetical, it's definitely happened before. So if this happens to you, press star pound, pound, star zero, zero, 
All these systems are unique, and we're going to be getting into a little bit of how they're unique and what they apply to. They're also on PBXs and line concentrators. So the PBX, the private branch exchange, elevators can have their own. They can also be on, say, the, the normal business or hotel line. So just be aware of that. So you're inside that elevator, you've pressed that button, and they tell you, oh, you're calling from 4356. That's it. Like, can you repeat that? 4356? You're like, oh, that's not enough digits. <laughs> you're on a PBX. You can also take the voltage of the line if it's a really low voltage. That can sometimes show you older PBX equipment. There's some more fun phone things you can do in there. Line concentrators. Now, these are really unique to emergency phone systems. What ends up happening is they don't actually think that multiples of these are going to go off at the same time. So easy way to save money is press the, you have all of these, these boxes. I think I literally have that box that's in that photo right here. You have all of these connected to one system. They end up dialing all out the same line. Now you might be thinking, well, what happens when they're busy? You get a busy signal. Can only use it one at a time. Inbound calls, they pick up with a double beep, and then you're pressing one, two, or three to enter into an elevator. So you need to know, am I dealing with a line concentrator or not? And that's sometimes kind of difficult to know until you've actively dialed into the system. Another easy way to do that, though, is if you've dialed the call center once, you know, you push this emergency button, got the phone number, go to the other side of the elevators. Push that button, see where that number is calling from. It's the same number, you're on a PBX or a line concentrator. Just good things to understand. And when the power fails, it's a party. It's an active party line. I don't know if people are familiar with party lines, but everyone jumps on and you're all connected together. It's a really good time. So elevator intercoms, they're from the, they're located outside the elevator, normally in the hallway, hoistway, machine room. So these are so that you can talk to them. This is a photo I took. Just right there, like next to the elevator, you can flip a switch, turn it on, push the button and listen. We actually have a video. Hopefully the, uh, the quality is good. So here we are. Uh, you see these sometimes. You see, I've seen elevator intercoms. I've seen them in the motor room more than anything else. But what we're going to do is we're going to try what happens if people are in the elevator and you press this and you don't say a word. So let me get in here. And I'm just a guy in an elevator talking. I'm just talking. So like, could you hear me? I didn't think you could. All right, let's give it up for Deviant. Thank you for letting me use that video. So that's just something to be aware of, an easy way to be able to, to talk into that elevator, to listen into that elevator. I don't know, is anyone here familiar with the fireman phone? Anyone? So this is a system that I have really, oh yeah, one person, that's awesome. So you probably know more than me about this. 
Um, I have not found a lot of information on these systems. I have talked to firefighters about them because I didn't know a lot of information. The system looks for opens, uh, if it's open, if it's shorted, if, if there's ground faults, so if one of the lines is run to ground. They have two different styles of wiring. I'm not gonna be getting into it. I just wanted people to be aware that this is a phone system inside of an elevator. So understand that if you're gonna plug into this, it will sound an alert. It'll be at whatever their command center or like alarm panel. So just understand that. These are the phones, it's a quarter inch plug. So you plug in, you're talking. These are used by firefighters if their radios aren't gonna work inside that elevator. They're being used less and less. Um, you can also find them outside the elevators. So again, when you're, when you're going through, you can see them sometimes even in these hotels. Look for that little panel and that jack. So line detection. When your elevator phone is connected, now they're mandating that you have this device. This was taken at an airport that senses, is the line active? Is this, is this okay? Is everything all right? And it checks maybe once every 10 minutes. But inside that checking, all it's gonna do is sound like a buzzer or a little alarm. It's not, it's not actively going uh, to call someone else because that line is now defunct. Easy way to bypass it, cut the power to it. You can also buy the system itself, get the key for it, you can control the volume, you can reset the device, you can say, hey, don't worry about if there's no phone line connected to that elevator for like 24 hours. And read the manual. So, now we're getting like the little later half of my talk, RTFM. Reading that manual is the easiest way to hack an elevator. I, I literally just walk around with elevator phone manuals. They're not that big, they're fun to read. I hope everyone like picks one up. So, who wants to like dial into an elevator and like listen to what goes on? There we go, someone. Wonderful. All right, hopefully everyone heard that. So what we had there, and I, I personally, I am not a fan of recording other people. Uh, I did not want to record the conversations that can ensue from doing this. Um, so after you've heard that noise, you're inside the elevator. You'll hear a weird echo and you can mute your phone. You know, just hit the mute and now you can just listen to them. You can listen to whoever's inside that elevator. You have a few problems with this. If you don't say anything and they don't say anything, it'll time out. If they're saying things and you're just listening, like hearing what's going on. Um, what ends up happening is there's a connection time limit. And again, it's all listed in your manual. If you want to reprogram that connection time limit, you just go, oh, there it is. You set it to like nine, the max it can go. Really zero through nine or one through nine are your ranges for these systems. Located at. This is an elevator emergency inside car one at. Street. Please wait for two 
three-way communication. Thank you. Main menu. Press one to talk, two to program, or star zero to disconnect. So, uh, this is just another example of a different system that can be dialed into. Instead of dropping straight into the elevator, you now have to hit one to be able to talk to those people. Hit two to be able to program and star zero, disconnect. It just tells you. I did not prompt that message at all. I don't know if you guys can notice a pattern here. So the, again, different phone system, different menu setup, just something to be aware of. I didn't take out the located app. I would have tried to beep it out or something like that. It just didn't have it. When you start getting into this and you're dialing in the elevators, you're hitting number two to prompt that site ID. Sometimes you won't get a site ID back. And that means that, that elevator's not up to code compliance, and that's a problem. Um, I have not done this personally, but I've definitely been on calls where like a, a phone freaking party line and someone dials into an elevator, prompts a site ID, and nothing happens, and they go, okay, well, let's, let's reprogram this and put in a site ID. I know where this building is, and we brought elevators up to code that way. I do not encourage any of you to do this. That's hacking. And you need passwords to get into these systems anyway, so good luck. So let's go. Four ways to program an elevator. Keypad, switches remotely, and programming cable. The programming cable is mainly with RAF phones. I won't be getting into that. Um, this, this whole topic can get delved into way deeper and heavier um, if you want to like dive into one phone versus another. This is really just that broad overview to get everyone here started in hacking elevators, or at least looking at these systems, understanding them. So, if you're going to use the keypad, these buttons don't work like you think they do. The way to deal with this kind of phone, you see that 9 volt connector right there? You look up your handy dandy manual, this is just the printed out version, um, but there will be manuals online. So I know Gall, Viking, a whole bunch of different elevator manufacturers have their manuals all online, free to download, PDFs. You're gonna be doing switches. So the interesting thing about switches is that they, they all follow a common type. So one generally sees, and this is like across brands, to be that connect, disconnect. So what that means is that when you push that elevator phone button, you end up being able to place the call to connect it. You can also press it again to disconnect it. So if someone's dialed into an elevator you're in, just press the button again if you don't want to talk to them. Don't deal with that. Uh, position three, learn mode or programming mode. So for some reason they allow this to be engaged. When number two is on, allow incoming calls. This is how it's set up by default. This, this is a brand new elevator phone. 
I have all three engaged and I didn't flip a switch. They're actively just selling these units, brand new from the factory, with the position one on, position three on, position two on. But you might be thinking, well, but they got passwords, all right? How can you get past the passwords, the passcodes? Well, there you go. Here you go, guys. Uh, everyone should take a picture of this. So what I did was I read so many elevator phone manuals. It's crazy. Uh, Viking looked like they had a really secure like default code up until you realize it spells Viking. Um, the TRE communications, I have no idea what's going on with their number. It's a five digit number, the only one I've ever seen. It's a very like odd system. The pound 9000, uh, I've seen that before. And the only text file that I've ever read about elevator phones, because I did a lot of research on this, there's not a lot of information on these elevator phone systems, which is why I wanted to give this talk in general. So enjoy the default passwords. I, I see a trend with this one, two, three, four, five, six though. What happens if they reprogram the password? So we break it down. Your one, two, three, four, five, and one, two, three, four, five, six, most common, they also top the charts. Um, this person did some really cool research on pin numbers and pig codes and what are the most commonly ones that are used. He made a top 20 list. So let's say for example, we have a four pin code you have a 26.83% chance of getting it. That drops right down if that default password does not work. So now 16.12%. It doesn't seem like a lot, but if you have a random, an absolute random code, you have a 0.02% chance of getting it right. So you've really increased your chances just by using that default or the, the most common top 20 lists. So, now that we have the phone number, we have the passwords because no one ever changes the password. No one. Options. We have some really fun options. So, the phone number you dial out to, you can put a few of these in. I believe this, this one here has the option for five different numbers. When you dial a number, if it's busy, if that person doesn't answer, it then switches to the next number and the next number. Your connection time. So the default connection time for most phones is about three minutes. After three minutes, you get a prompt that says, hey, would you like to stay connected? Press three to stay connected. And you get that every 30 seconds. Really difficult to have a conversation with someone for more than three minutes. So you go through your manual, you have to figure out where in that position you're going to be, so slot one is gonna be filled up with the phone numbers. Slot two is gonna be your connection time, your tone or pulse, silence in and out. So you're gonna dial these numbers, so connection time, hit nine. Your pulse or tone, probably one for tone. Silence timeout, so figure out, you know, is it after 30 seconds and no one's speaking, it'll drop that call. Set that to its maximum. You can go in, you can go on and on and on. There are so many options. There's no way to tell. I can't tell you, say, hey, dial into this phone. 
try all the default passwords, and then just keep hitting nine. Doesn't work like that. I am sorry. But if you happen to know the phone because you push that button, you got that phone number, you download that manual right off the internet, you can then reprogram it to whatever you want. You call a Rickroll line. So let's do some practical attacks. Let's, let's take a look at what's going on here. Denial of service. You can make sure that line no longer functions, no longer calls the correct number. You can have it call you instead. So if you plan on trapping someone inside of an elevator, <laughs> I don't recommend that. You can have it call you and then you can play some games with them. Uh, you can bypass line detection. So turning the elevator into a covert listening device, you have some problems with this. Your LED will light up. It'll be blinking when it's making that connection. It'll stay solid when you're connected. Your connection time, as I was talking about earlier, and that weird like tone noise you heard, that's all gonna be playing and seen inside that elevator. Again, if you guys experience this, and you don't, you don't wanna talk to whoever's on that other end, just hit that button. It'll hang up on them. So, you have an open phone line, you can exfiltrate data. I don't know, has anyone ever used a dial-up modem before? Oh, great, a few people, excellent. You can register services like Google Voice. And now, dialing some numbers. Who thinks this is the worst attack possible you can do? You can call other phone numbers from an elevator. Anyone? All right, well, it is the worst, I think. And this is why. So, there are 60 elevators at an university. I took out the university name because someone told me to. Each one of those elevators has their own phone line. A billing cycle, say 30 days, at 24 hours, 720 hours. Times that by 60 minutes, 43,200 minutes. Times that by the 60 elevators, you have like 2.5 million elevator minutes, I call them. Times that by the 2.55 that you charge for dialing a 900 number. So you set up your own 900 number, you have all these elevators call it, you can make $6.6 .6 million right there. This is the only time I ever thought about not giving this talk, because like, man, I could be a millionaire? <laughs> yeah, um, I really think this is kind of crazy, because there are still 900 numbers around, and if you were to be malicious, there's nothing stopping this. It's a POTS line, it's a plain old telephone system line. Just understand that that, that is a crazy thing. I've never heard of anyone even trying this kind of thing. So I like to think it's, it's, it is entirely theoretical. I've never done it. So are we all doomed? No, no we're not. Let's look at monitoring. So why are we having an hour long phone call? Why are there you know 30 people calling into the same elevator every day? Like, that's a problem. Alerting, like if there's really an emergency, someone should deal with that emergency. All of these things, these are, these are supposed to be outliers. These are things that are like, what, what in the world is going on here? Someone should investigate this stuff. No one ever does, because no one ever ends up understanding and knowing that, hey, someone is calling into the elevator, but before people get in, they've you know extended that connection time. They've made it so nothing's happening. No, no one ever looks at the little button. And when you are looking, you can say, hey, you pushed that button. And they'll tell you, no, I didn't. And you say, yes, you did. That's how I'm talking to you. 
it's a really interesting conversation you can have with someone. I'm not saying I've definitely done this. <laughs> so if any manufacturers are out there, uh, props to Otis for reaching out to me. Uh, no default passwords. Don't allow the most common top 20 pins. Like, we don't allow password as a password anymore, right? Why should we allow one, two, three, four, five, six? Like, that just seems crazy to me. Don't allow remote programming. Um, I know elevator technicians, and when they're reprogramming a phone, they're there on site. They're working on the elevator anyways. They've just installed that phone. They have access to it. I understand, like, especially see here for this one, there's no easy way to, to allow that remote programming or to have that local programming. You need to dial into it. I get that. I understand that. That's okay. After you're done, it should have to then be put back into a no programming mode. Some of the Viking systems, the newer ones, are doing that. The only issue is, is that you push that button again, if they left it in a programming mode, it's going to call the Viking Center instead. It's, it's not going to just not work. So you are going to get someone eventually. Like, it's crazy to me. You should have that understanding of what happens when, when these phones are left in to a programming mode. Understand that they shouldn't be able to be remotely programmed. Train your call centers. Understand that social engineering attacks happen. Be aware and be ready for them. So let's go further. Uh, now that everyone doesn't want to take an elevator ever again. <laughs> go to pools, university campuses, meeting areas. So this is a photo I took in Seattle of a meeting area inside of a business. And I asked the shop owner, like, why, why is this here? And he's like, well, they made me put it in. You know, there's, there's building codes now that are mandating these emergency phones to be inside your businesses. So everything I just talked about with the elevators relates right there to the wall, right onto the stairs, into walkways. So when you're walking around, start noticing hey, like, why does that box on the wall say emergency and like there's a little button? Someone could just dial into that and listen to you as you walk along your path. Like I used to, I was on a campus and I could see people walk down this bike lane and all along the bike lane there's these little little posts. And yeah, you could, you could listen in right like to each post, just dial to the next one before they got there and so you can listen to their conversation all along the walkway. I'm again... Do not do this, people, please. Enjoy people's privacies. So, just understand these systems are outside the elevator. So if you want to learn more, these are some really good uh, resources. Watch the Telechallenge, Pit to Penthouse, reading manuals, man. Just pick up any old manual. If you want to read this one, let me know. I'll be happy to give that to you. Um, Cena and Binrev. Those are two really good resources uh, to understand phone systems. Not a lot of people are familiar with them, but a lot of phone freakers like to hang out there and discuss these systems. Just starting to, to play around. You wanna play at home? Here you go. 50 to $100, yeah, you know, slightly broken elevator phone. Uh, I have definitely gotten them in like a $50 range that work. So just be aware of that. New phones, they cost, you know, $100 to $300. I have no idea why they cost so much. Like, you know, they're simple systems. 
So, if you want to play around, I don't know if you noticed my shirt, Futel, they're a fun phone call. Uh, they're a nonprofit phone company I'm an operator for. PLA, they put up some fun systems. Phone Sex Fun House, there's more. Um, just be aware. So, dialing into these, what you can do is you can hack the, um, like, PLA has a bunch of answering machines set up. Start playing around with these systems again. I feel like this community has forgotten about phone freaking as an active attack. And that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to get, get this talk out there to understand that these things are still happening today. So thank you guys. Thank you all to my InfoSec friends. Plug, viral. Plug and wire goal really helped me out uh, making this talk. Uh, Sergeant Howard and Deviant were wonderful resources, and the EFF is amazing. Please donate to them. Thank you, guys. If you want to give me a call, there's my phone number. It is actually my phone number. It will call this phone. Uh, so if you want to copy that number, spread it around, let anyone call me. It'll be in the Karagi Village. You, this is set up with the default password. So give me a call. Thank you, guys. And there you have it, right? You never thought, right? In an elevator? <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I thought I'd share that with you guys. And um, I, yeah, right? What, do you th what are your thoughts on that? Share them and speak about it with you, someone that you love and trust. Or maybe not. But be careful with what you learn from these talks and events. Because, you know, it may not be freaking legal and everywhere. And it takes years, sometimes decades, for these vulnerabilities to be patched. So don't be silly. Uh, and so anyhow, listen, uh, continuing on with that, uh, as I said la on the last show, I wanted to share some cool hardware gadgets with you guys. And, uh, you know, going on the whole theme of uh, telephones, back in the day, you could go to Radio Shack and buy what was called a telephone pickup. And this was uh, basically it was a microphone with a suction cup that would you would stick on the back of an old-fashioned telephone handset receiver, and then you would plug that into a tape recorder or a micro cassette recorder, uh, and then you could record both sides of the conversation. And so, uh, with the advent of smartphones, of course, no one has the traditional, um, you know, telephone. Right? What is that? Uh, but there, are, there is a way to record, uh, you know, a conversation on a smartphone uh, quite effectively, actually. And uh, this is this. So I'm going to give you the URL to where this all is. But first, I want to tell you what I like. First, it's the smartphone voice recorder. It's the D1305 smartphone voice rec um, smartphone voice recorder. It's an easy plug and play design. Uh, it has 144 hours of recording. Uh, it can record up to 99 files. Uh, has four gigs of memory, uh, 18 hours of playback, uh, wired remote, earphone, USB cable, all that fun stuff. And I find that super slick and super cool because you know, as an old you know former telephone freak, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, the next cool thing that I have up on the list is the SecureGuard HD 720p car laser radar detector spy camera. So not only is this thing a laser radar detector, it's also a spy camera. Think about that for a minute. Uh, recording at 720p HD, 1280 by 720 resolution, and at 30 frames per second, time and 
date stamped also 16 gigabyte uh, sd card included it supports up to 64 gig sd card all that crap motion detecting all that crap all that crap all that crap all that crap it's actually a fully functioning radar detector uh and it really works and functions properly and it also has a camera in it right so you may want to buy that for someone that you, uh, that is special on your list and put that and have them put that in their car all by themselves and i'm sure that they will enjoy the hell out of it <laughs> and lastly but not least something that i want i really don't need it so well, i can want but not need it it's the Delta X 2000 forward slash six real time spectrum analyzer hyphen DX 2000 hyphen six. Now, before I even go any further, this thing is $13,990. And OMG, right? It's counter surveillance at its best. The Delta X sweeping system, 40 kilohertz to 6,000 megahertz. It's completely cool. It finds hidden surveillance devices using any standard GSM, 3G, 4G, LTE, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, decked. Anything, it will find it and tell you where it is. It detects illegal information transmission in AC and, and on telephone lines ethernet alarm and other wires as well as infrared the infrared range it also has an instant detection mode has 20 to 15 higher times higher sensitivity compared to uh, your standard off-the-shelf rf detectors can monitor your rf environment 24 hours a day with data logging Capable of detecting covert bugging devices with accumulation function and transmitters hidden within the spectrums of other signals supports storage of a limited quantity of signals full information is stored in the login can be reviewed during the detection or later multiple logs are supported demodulation of audio and fm am usb lsb cw and adjustable bw3 to 240 kilohertz you really should do your homework on something like this because it's going to have a laptop it comes with three models uh, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, customization involved with this product. So even though there is an add to cart button on this product, you really would want to actually, if you're going to drop that kind of money on a, a spectrum analyzer, you should really go and check it out in person and have a hands-on demo before you uh, get down with it. But I was able to do that while I was here in Florida, and maybe you should do too if you're down here in the Sunshine State, hopefully not during a hurricane. Uh, and if you get a chance, go to spyshops.com. That is spyshops, S-P-Y-S-H-O-P-S.com. Spyshops.com spyshops.com right anyhow there uh if you want to go to the store they are available you can go check them out at 600 west oakland park in fort lauderdale florida zip code 3311 or you can give them a call to 954-563-1779 
let's see, they are open Monday through Saturday. Let's see, they're open 10 to 5, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then on Saturday, they are, they are open 10 to 4, and they are closed on Sundays. And again, it's spyshops.com. Uh, and also, you can visit their location, which I just mentioned. I'm not going to say it again. Uh, and it's uh, they have some cool stuff. I was able to uh, yeah, I was able to get hands on with some of the products, and it was really slick. So uh, yeah, so I, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, <laughs> I think I think I think what we're go, we are going to do we're going to uh, sl slip over to uh, my aunt's house, take a shower, dry off, dry up. There's water everywhere in here, uh, and uh, go and uh, grab some food and and get some sleep. We've uh, literally we are sitting out here on the water. Uh, this is the 98th show. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. Uh, and I really wanted to uh, send a shout out to uh, all my family and friends here in the Sunshine State uh, and abroad. I also wanted to send a, a shout out to my family in the Carolinas. Uh, it's it's good to actually uh, wow. Uh, it's it's fine. It's, it's good. That's good. It's really good. Uh, and I also wanted to uh, say thank you for tuning into the show. Check out the website hackers.xxx. We have a new surprise website coming up too. It's gonna have it's gonna kind of be the same thing, so you'll be used to it. Keep an ear out for that because we're not gonna make a big mention or any, you know, whatever. But um, check out the events page, right? Because the events page has has pretty some pretty cool things on it and uh as always the podcast is free this is free you are free we are free uh and so is the site there's no ads or any of that silliness on there uh and check it out hackers.xxx and um what else was i gonna say oh i was gonna say uh shout out to uh my friends and um <laughs> my good friends and uh all, all my friends everywhere uh and um Thank you, as always, for believing in me. Because you know what? I believe in you. Trust me, I do. Uh, with that, I, I, let me get out of here uh, because we're sucking. Wait, I'm still in my wetsuit. Yeah, right. So uh, take care of yourself. Uh, we're going to go surfing in the hurricane tomorrow again and Monday. Yeah, well, tomorrow is Monday. It's all right. I've lost the day. Anyhow, I'm, I'm going to scoot out of here. Take care of yourself. I uh, love you all. Thank you for tuning in. And I will try my best. I know. I'll try my best to be back here and uh, be back online next week uh, if I don't get dragged out in the undertow. Uh, but take care of yourself. I love you all. Bye. Jungle, I am the king.